Welcome to the Joseph Z. Audio Podcast. For this and additional resources, visit josephz.com. We're going to jump into the Word of God, and I believe it's going to really benefit you. I think some powerful things are going to unfold for you through this. And uh, it's just important that you begin to dig in and do what God's called you to do. Now listen, when you start to dig into the high call of God, you start to step into that high call of God on your life, sometimes there's things that try to come against you even prophetically or whatever. And you say, well, what do you mean prophetically? Meaning that through your sensitivity, there's things that'll rise up, try to distract you. So the other night I had a bunch of tornado dreams about certain cities in the U.S., and seeing different things that were happening there. And I was praying for the West Coast and, of course, the East Coast. And there's different things that um, uh, uh, I, I was sensing and seeing in the Spirit. Just uh, this morning, somebody contacted me and said, uh, the Lord prompted me to get up and, and leave this one area soon because I had to travel. And as they were doing so, they said they were prompted. They didn't know why, and they left. And they said they would have literally been in the path of a tornado had they not left when they did. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I spoke to you this, and now here's this about their thing. And the Lord just basically showed me, when you're sensitive to me, that we miss the plans of the enemy. And uh, there's things that come against us, even with our sensitivity and when we're in the pocket, that can try and slow down our momentum. So sometimes the thing you're facing, listen to me, is not natural. It's not natural. Sometimes that, that person that's mad at you, sometimes that thing that's stirred up against you, sometimes the confusion you feel, the anxiety or the offense you're fighting against towards someone else isn't natural. It's not natural. And the devil will speak through whoever will let him. Listen to me. If you allow offense in your heart, even a little bit, even if it's justified in your mind, it's all, <laughs> listen, offense is always justified in your mind. Always. You're never uh, looking at something and being like, well, I shouldn't be offended over this. Most of the time when offense comes or irritation or that can try to be a root of bitterness, when you have offense that begins to lock onto your mind or your heart, that is an access point for the devil to literally access your life. And if you're doing that towards others, it's because it's a spirit knocking on your door trying to get access to your, uh, your effectiveness or your life or whatever. And the devil only comes for one reason. Now listen, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. To kill and to steal and to destroy. When you have this understanding that that's what's going on, uh, you, you will fight against offense when you realize it's a, it's a skeleton key of the devil to access your life. And uh, why am I talking about that? I'm talking about it because people that are sensitive, or when you start to do your calling and you get in your lane and you start to walk towards that high call of God, the number one thing the enemy is going to try to fight you with is... is uh, uh, offense. He's going to try to get you to be irritated or, or you know, badmouth other people or things like that. And I got to tell you, this is an area that I've had to get very disciplined in over the years because by nature, you know, I've learned that uh, just because by nature you can actually be a little bit of an annoyed person or or pick things apart. That's not a gift of the spirit or fruit of the spirit. <laughs> Criticism is not a gift of the spirit or a fruit. <laughs> so, uh, but, but love, joy, peace, patience is a, is a virtue and a fruit. Praise God. So anyway, now when we're understanding some of these things, it's important to recognize that there is a spiritual prophetic encounter that God wants to bring up by way of remembrance for you of the former things that gave you victory. Now, 
uh, I've been writing some things and walking through all this process, and in doing that, uh, I have to go back and literally mine through uh, my my young experiences with the Lord, all the things I gave up to serve Jesus, you know, which has been totally worth it, doing all these things. And what I recognized is that it actually made me very emotional. It's emotional reliving a number of things. And uh, there was times in my writings I've, I've uh, started crying, just burst into tears. Couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my gosh, because you, you literally go there and relive things and it's like you're doing it all over again. A very interesting experience. And what I want to say to you is this, you and myself or anybody in the body of Christ, you can have prophetic encounters and prophetic encounters can be that, that word when people gave it to you, the laying on of hands, those moments where you had breakthrough or when you know God spoke to you you know God spoke to you. And many people have had these encounters, an encounter with the Lord. Either you've run into a prophetic experience or you've had a direct encounter with the Lord. And I'm bringing this up because Paul exhorted Timothy in, uh, where, where was it? First Timothy chapter one, first Timothy chapter one, where Paul exhorted Timothy and said, he said very clearly to him, he said, you must wage a good warfare by remembering those prophecies and laying on of hands that were given to you. Now, sometimes we can discredit or look at things that God has done for us and just say, well, that was then, that was this, that was that. And uh, we, we don't recognize that sometimes the very thing the enemy wants to steal is even the memory of your breakthrough. And what I want to talk to you about is remembering your breakthrough. And when you start to do that, the Lord begins to give you favor and abundance. Now, here's what we're lacking in the body of Christ. This is something the Lord showed me this morning. This is something that I woke up to and I heard this, and uh, I, wasn't, I didn't really spend time to, to flesh it out and really uh, look at the way that it operates and all that, but I'm going to say it, and uh, as God gives me favor, I, I'm sure we'll expound on this. The Lord spoke to me and said, there's a lot of people, a lot of people listen to pastors. They got pastors in their life and they've got nice leaders in their life. They got these things. But there's a difference between, um, and I'll say this and I'll qualify it. There's a difference between pastoral leadership and ministry leadership and the body of Christ and then a general. And then a general. There's a difference between the voice of a coach and a general. There's, the diff there's a big difference between when you have a coach talking to you and a general. There's a big difference between a teacher and a general. And I, I'm saying this by the Spirit of God this morning, and this generation does not like generals, even though they're craving it and they don't know what they're craving. This generation is craving generals to stand up and lead. And, and now... A general is not defined by somebody who talks strong or does whatever. You can have somebody that talks aggressive and they're just a jerk. It doesn't make them a general, it just makes them a jerk, you know. But there's something about people that God has marked with authority that when they speak, you know, like that, uh, the, the 21 laws of leadership where it says the law of E.F. Hutton, when the real leader speaks, the people listen, you know. And there's something about that, that when a general speaks, there's an anointing to break yokes, to break things through. And when a general speaks, there's something different than just a coach or a teacher or a, or a sarcastic person that, that's just funny and all that stuff, yet they get no real horsepower, no real lasting results. They're just kind of doing what they do, you know? They're just uh, doing, doing their function. But a general, I believe the purpose of God raising up young lions 
is to raise up an army of generals, leaders that are actually going to come and start to lead on the scene. Now, here's what's happening. In this nation and, and around us, what we begin to see is there's a lack of people that actually are leading and like a general. Now, again, a general is not an attitude. It's not something where you say, I'm going to talk strong to you. That makes you a general. No, it might make you a jerk, not a general. But a general is something that there's a person or man or woman of God who is tenured in the word of God. They're tenured in their heart. They don't run around by every new wave of doctrine that flows through the church. They're not hung up on the new bestseller. They're not on the new wave of messages that come through and the, the, the new terms that everybody's using. Instead, they are rooted and grounded in the word of God and they're developed and tenured and their steel, which means their soul, their belief system, who they are is tempered like steel. Generals, the first line of defense with a general is someone who's totally unoffendable. If you're unoffendable, you have the marks and the makings of a general. And I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm talking about it just no longer holds you. Now, the problem we see in this generation that sometimes when real generals stand up and they begin to speak, people are saying, no, we're all equal in the body of Christ. Everybody's equal. And I'm going to address that right now. Many people are saying everybody's equal. There are no people above the other. We're all a kingdom of priests. That's all true. But listen to me very carefully. Yes, we are all equal before Jesus. And yes, every one of us is, we need to be in Jesus. It makes us righteous. Nobody lords over another. Nobody does this or that or that. And I understand the teaching also about when you say there's fivefold ministry and the 21 gifts of the Spirit. And in that, we recognize... We recognize that there's different job descriptions, and we all have different job descriptions in this 21 gift spectrum, and that makes up the body of Christ. Now, in that, however, there is rank and authority. There really is. In this generation, if there's ever been a culture that wants to cast off the reins of rank and authority or, or people saying things uh, uh, with an authoritative way, it's, it's this generation. Paul the Apostle Paul, he said to different churches, he said, I may not be an apostle to everybody, but I'm an apostle to you. He was an apostle under assignment to a certain group of people. What that means is it gives us precedence that when God anoints certain people to a certain level of authority, they have authority and rank in a certain group or to a sphere of influence. And this is what God wants to develop and rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft, or let's just say it this way, rebellion is like witchcraft. Why is rebellion like witchcraft? It is literally like witchcraft because witchcraft is an unauthorized use of power. In other words, it's a witchcraft that says uh, there's supernatural things that are available to me, but I'm not going to do it through the right rank and authority that God has provided. Instead, I'm going to jump in and authorize supernatural things to function in this world without the proper rank and authority from heaven, without God's way of doing things. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft because rebellion, even in the natural, is the same example of us trying to access authority and get results without the proper rank and file of God's way of doing things, even in the natural. So supernaturally, rebellion is is witchcraft. In the natural, rebellion is the same as witchcraft. Witchcraft is just unauthorized access to supernatural power or supernatural motivation that comes into the natural. You access it either through drugs or you access it through uh, uh, conjuring evil spirits or you access it by doing all kinds of uh, demonic things that people touch into. And the same is true when you break rank and file in the body of Christ, not being surrendered to authority, not 
not being submitted to those that are over you, not being surrendered to people of God that are around you in leadership and in authority. That is witchcraft. And you say, what? How can that be? Well, because rebellion and witchcraft, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft or rebellion is witchcraft. Same thing. So when you got an attitude that says, you can't tell me what to do. How dare you talk to me like that? We're all born again. We're all equal in Jesus. Yes and amen. But you're missing your breakthrough blessing when you're not uh, aligned with real authority. And this generation needs generals. It needs generals. Look at all this crazy stuff we got going on in the streets of America in certain places with all these Yahoo social justice warriors that honestly, they, they don't know what they're doing with their life. And so they're totally lemmings that are running after causes that have no, no real value to them. And they're going and doing it. And their heart is against authority, any real authority, any kind of father figure that stands up and they, they begin to take their place. Look at the way mankind or manhood rather, just manhood, real manhood is being devalued in our society because that's the spirit of rebellion. The spirit of rebellion is closely tied to the spirit of Jezebel. Now, let me couple this together with why we're talking about prophetic warfare. Prophetic warfare, when you begin to understand it, means this, that God marked your life. Something happened at a certain point in your life that began, began to give you breakthrough. It began to teach you the ways of the Lord. It began to bring you closer to the Lord. And in that process, it brings you closer to the Lord, and you're hearing God's voice, and you're moving forward with it. And then the enemy wants to fight that in your life. Do you know who brings you more breakthrough than just about anybody? Is the voice of a general. And you say, what is the voice of a general? Listen, now in this scripture, in the scripture, there's, there's no place in fivefold ministry that says, and you are a general. <laughs> okay, I'm using this as a type and as an example of how rank and file works in the body of Christ. And remember, the early church used military terms. Yes, they did. People say, no, they didn't. They didn't talk in military terms and all that stuff. Yes, they did. The term brother and sister came from Alexander the Great and the Hellenistic uh, world, which means the Greek-speaking world that was brought into uh, Israel and all the people and all the surrounding areas at the time. It was a mindset that when Paul said, so Salute the household of Stephanus. Greet those who are in the household of this one or that one, my brother and sister. Him saying brother and sister was a military term. My brother and sister in arms is what Paul was really saying. Now, when you come to this understanding that your prophetic moments, the moments of breakthrough, the moments where you felt the touch of God, the moments where God spoke to you, the moments where people have laid hands on you, those moments are under siege and there's no better way for you to truly attain what belongs to you than getting linked up with a true general. Now, I say general and I mean that uh, gender neutral, gender neutral, even though today the, the, how can I say it? Masculinity is literally under assault. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'll talk about that. Masculinity is under assault, under assault. That's why you see so many feminized pastors today. <laughs> this is going to go really good. There's so many feminized pastors today that are acting goofy and silly and it's all about entertainment and they're not truly acting like men because mankind or manhood is not, um, it's not uh, cheek today. It's not, uh, it's not, what could I say? It's not popular today. To be manly in the ministry is not popular today. To be a real man. 
And when I say a real man, I'm not talking about, yeah, I chop wood and I tear things in half and I wear flannels and grow a big beard. I'm a man. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about I sharp my knife. I'm a man. No, I'm talking about true manhood where men who are called to lead are afraid to lead as men because the church has been feminized. The church has been feminized. And it's time for us to stop feminizing the gospel and start to let the gospel have its day. And when the gospel has its day, it's going to look like an untamed lion. Like C.S. Lewis said, he said, hey, Aslan, Aslan's not a tame lion. He's not a tame lion. And all this stuff that we're doing today, everybody's trying to get in touch with their feelings. They're trying to get in touch with their softer side. And you know what that is? Do you know what that really is? Every, all the men trying to get in touch with their softer side, it's not Holy Ghost. Do you know what that is? That's men trying to be, be godly through the flesh. When you try to take a man and you try to calm them down and say, you just need to be more like a woman, you need to calm down and be more like a woman. And when you calm them down more like a woman and you say, this is godly, it's godly for a man to be tempered down and walk around all week and all these things. The reason they're doing that is because they want you to bear the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but through the flesh. And when you try to make a man bear the fruits of the spirit through, through the flesh, that's just carnality. It's religion. Religion has feminized the church. Religion has feminized men to the point that we're not saying, hey, the spirit of God is in the house. It's time to raise up leaders. Sons, there's a reason other young men that, are, that are, want, want the, the fire of God in their life, they want something real. They want something aggressive. They want something to, to, to go to battle over. There's a reason they don't come to church. They don't come to church because either we have a hyper-machoism where there's hyper-masculinity, that's also carnality, or they're being feminized because we have women running the church. And now listen, I am very pro-woman, okay? My wife is a strong woman, and I, I respect her, and I'll tell you what, I, I enjoy women preachers. They're of God. They need to stand up and do all that God's marked them to do. But I'll tell you what, God put it in order that men are called to lead, period. <laughs> period. It's the way it is. And women are called to lead also. But men... Men are wired different, and I know that this isn't popular. I know people are going to get all uh, touchy about this and, and offended probably, but you know what? I really don't care. I like what the Word of God says, and I like the way God made mankind and womankind. Now, in proper order, when you understand this, Galatians 5.16 says, if you walk in the Spirit, this is how you actually find real manhood. This is how you find real womanhood. This is how you find real structure in the church. This is how you find real generals in the church. Galatians 5.16, you walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, we often think, well, that's eating, that's, you know, sexual desires, that's, that's lying, cheating, whatever, you know, all these things. That's, that's true. That's part of it. But the lust of the flesh means you are just literally walking in a carnal mindset. You're walking in a way that seems right to you, but it is not truly Holy Ghost, and it is not washed in the Word of God. When you're walking according to your own understanding, as the Bible says in Proverbs, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. It says in Romans chapter 1 that their foolish hearts became darkened because they removed the knowledge of God from the way they were walking. Now listen to me very carefully. This feminization of the church, 
This feminized spirit that's come on men in the church has got to change. If it doesn't change, the church will not get to its hundredfold. And some people say, well, we're, we're believing for women to have their rights and all that stuff. They are. Jesus was the greatest women's liberation person in the history of the world. Okay, and and I'm for women. Listen to me. If anybody knows me, they know that I am pro lady. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand behind women. I will be taught by women. I listen to women. I I I, I hear the voice of God that comes through those speaking spirits. There is no uh, Greek. There's no Gentile. There's no. Uh, Barbarian, there's, there's no male, no female in the body of Christ. We know that the word of God teaches us that. So in other words, a woman is a spirit just like a man is a spirit. You gotta understand that. But yet the weaker vessel, the physical body that's weaker, there's order in the body of Christ for how things go. God wired men different to take battle to the front lines. And yes, there's women that do the same, but in a higher percentage, it's always men. It's typically men. Now, it's been, uh, boy, I hope you can hear my heart this morning. You know, and if this offends you, you came pre-offended, you're not listening. And so here's the deal. God is looking for real generals to stand up. And again, that's not men or women and all that stuff. But real generals standing up in the body of Christ need to come forward. Our young people are looking for leadership. The churches are looking for leadership. There's people all over that are looking for leadership. And the reason they're raging out and freaking out is because they literally don't know what they're looking for. They're looking for something, but they're not getting answers. They're looking for it, and they're not getting answers. So they go to church, and they, they see up, up there, and everybody's just like, do 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 and it's, it's just the hee-haw time, and there's a lot of just soft peddling, whatever, and it's sarcasm and humor and all that stuff. And I think there's a place for that, but that's not what we should lead with. We need to lead with the idea that God wants the voice of generals in the church. And it starts when you do a good warfare by the prophetic words you've received when you uh, have walked out your journey. Now, what does a general look like? A general looks like a person that is completely surrendered to the word of God. They are surrendered to the call of God on their life. They're surrendered to the high praise of God on their life. And they care more about what God thinks and the word of God thinks than any person. Now, they don't have a bad attitude. They're sweet. They're loving. They're developed in the gifts and fruits of the spirit. But at the same time, when a general speaks, it's different than, um, than everybody else. What does it say in first, I think it's first Corinthians four. I think that's where it is. Where Paul said, though you have 10,000, listen to me very carefully. Paul said, though you have 10,000 instructors, you have 10,000 teachers. The word teachers there is literally in the Greek tense, boy instructors. Paul said to Timothy, he said to many of them, though you have 10,000 boy instructors, he said, you have not many fathers. And he said, I've been a father to you. Now, when you understand this, is talking about the fact that people literally are looking for teaching. It says that they'll be running around looking for, they have itching ears, wanting to hear. You know, there's a difference in the Bible. You hear two terms. You hear the term itching ears. You ever see that? They're, they surround themselves with teachers because of their itching ears because they, they just, they, they want that itch scratched of, of self-satisfaction and all these things. Then there's another term in the Bible called tingling ears. I don't know if you've ever read that, but if you see the term tingling ears, that means that they're getting rebuked. <laughs> like if you smack somebody in the ear, it's like, whoa. You know, or you shoot a, a gun or you, you, something loud, you know, a smash happens and your ears ring. That's tingling ears. <laughs> There's times where tingling ears happens because people are not, uh, you know, they're, they're actually in a, in a rough season of their life and they have tingling ears. They're getting maybe smacked by the experience. Now, listen to me very carefully. 
There's people that surround themselves with itching ears, wanting to hear all the things that will just appease and stroke their flesh, cause them to live, a, a, you know, just a mediocre life, and they just keep regurgitating the same old, same old, same old. And here's the deal. God wants generals, and generals, by definition, means this. You have 10,000 boy instructors. 10,000 instructors, 10,000 people that you can go to a, a home group or a Bible study or anything. And, the, and many of those are so wonderful. And I'm sure you're in a good one. But when you go to these things, many times you have people that open the Bible. They don't have a conviction about what they're reading, but they're just like, let's just see what it says. And they just begin to go through it. Hey, wait, I know I have a study guide. Let's just, let's just parrot this to you. But that, and that's good. And that's healthy in the body of Christ. That's, that's literally the mortar of the bricks that has the body of Christ standing together are people that are boy instructors that open the Bible. But boy instructors are not generals. When a general stands up, it's a spirit of fathering. A father stands up. What's the difference between a father? What's the difference between a coach and a, um, a, coach and a general? Well, after the game, a coach leaves you. After the lesson, a teacher closes the book. But when the game is over and the lesson is done, a father never goes away. A father never leaves. A father continues to bring life. They continue to watch your development. They fight for you like it's you, like it's them fighting. They stand for you. They fight with you. They, they go to battle on your behalf. A father is a general, a real father, a real father, a general. I got to tell you, in my household, my wife is a powerful woman. She's a powerful woman, but I'm the general of my household. It's not a domineering thing. It's a respect thing, and it's a biblical thing. I lead my family. I do. <laughs> and I'm going to say this to, to the body of Christ. God structured the household, the family of God, to look like the family at home. So much so that he says, if you can't have your own family in order, you have no business even being in leadership in the body of Christ. And it starts with the father. It starts with the father. Now, listen to me. This is why... The body of Christ is out of order in many areas. Now, I love the body of Christ. I am so committed to the body of Christ. There's this, you know, we're not, in, we're not perfect. We're not in that. But you know what? Jesus said to, to go for it. He really did. Now, fathers is what we're missing in the body of Christ. Fathers slash generals. Generals are fathers. And when you understand this, the very beginning point of it is that you wage a good warfare by the prophetic words you've received and heard. And a lot of people today, they don't like the idea of being fathered. The reason is, it's because, what was it, back in the early 80s or 70s, there was what they called the shepherding movement, which is just straight up control and religion, uh, unbridled. Unbridled religion and control over people. That is where you take a boy instructor and give them, give them like, you know, all the authority in the world and they just run people around out of their own insecurity. That's shepherding. Shepherding is people that have no ability, they have no right to really lead, get over other people and they dominate them. They dominate them from their own insecurities and they use the word as a club and demand things. And there's the same form of that type of spirit in the body of Christ in some circles today. There, of course, is misuse. There's, of course, abuses in all these things. But in healthiness and when you have proper understanding of how the kingdom works, there are fivefold ministry that manage 21 gifts. Listen to me. That's why we have the conference 521. There's fivefold governmental gifts in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 that speaks of the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Those fivefold ministry govern the 20, 21 gifts. 
They're part of the 21 gifts, and they're also the leadership aspect of those 21 gifts. And that is what it means to be a general. When you develop to your hundredfold in the lane God's given you as responsibility for those people that you're called to, you can be a general over three people, okay? Maybe that's just your family. But God is raising up generals, I believe, to a large scale in the body of Christ. God wants to raise up real generals in the body of Christ. And it starts out by being a real father. Now listen, let me define this clearly. Because oftentimes you hear the term general, or you hear the term father, and that can immediately, for many people, have a negative smack to it. You say, well, I've been hurt by a father. I've been, I've been cut down by authoritative people, or I've done this. I've even put my life in their hand, and they've stepped all over me. Hey, man, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. If you've had people step on you, welcome to the club. It doesn't give you a right to mutiny. Your pain, listen to me, your pain, and your abuse that you've experienced gives you no right to mutiny, not in the body of Christ. It gives you no ability to mutiny in the body of Christ. We must get to the point where we start to stand in all God's called us to stand in. And we literally say, wait, even if these people have done it wrong, and I've been hurt here, even if you've been hurt, it doesn't mean the system is wrong. It means that a person mishandled it. And you've got to re remove yourself from the attachment to that person that hurt you or the people who've done it wrong. Remove from that, get into a biblical example of it, and begin to say, Lord, I surrender to you in this. I know you're going to walk me through this, and there'll be, gr be great victory. So many people say, but uh, I was in this thing, and it hurt me so bad, hurt me so bad. Dude. I could sit here and talk about stories that are horror stories, but then people have ones that are worse. I could tell the worst horror story and somebody's gonna come up with the worst one. And here's the deal. Either we're just gonna start doing the word of God and start being healed of all the abuse and all the stuff. You know, uh, I gave a word a while back about Cinderella's and, and uh, burnt stones and people that have been trapped under the, the domineering effects of certain ministries and men and maybe leaders of, of different arenas. But you've got to get out of that. Now listen to me. And the way you begin to come out of that, the first line of defense is to wage a warfare prophetically. And you say, wage a warfare, do prophesy to it? No. Paul instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He said to Timothy very clearly, he said, remember the prophecies given to you and by them wage a good warfare. Why is it a good warfare? Because we can win. It's called a good warfare. The good fight of faith is good because we get to win. Praise God. Now, what we're seeing in the body of Christ, what I'm seeing everywhere, and even like we do these youth conferences all over the country, we see all these things. Now, if you heard this through the arm of the flesh, you'd say, well, then we need more men. We need some guys that are lifting weights and they're on a very high protein diet coming in and really telling people how it's supposed to be. No, I need guys with tattoos all over their faces, you know, and stuff and beards and, you know, they, they carry ARs around. These guys are going to lead the church. No, that's not it. That's not it. What we need is people that know their identity and they're okay with stepping forward in the way God created them. And whatever lens it comes through is good. But there's literally an assault against masculinity in the church. And now, uh, let me just say it one more time. Masculinity through the flesh can be totally carnal and religious. I see, I've seen preachers that are so hyper-masculine that it was, it was just awful. 
awful to watch where they're, they're roughing people up and walking around like they got it going on and marching around like, you know, I'm bigger and better than you and all that stuff. That is not what I'm talking about. That's actually makes God gag. I think that just makes the Lord want to gag when people do that kind of stuff because it's a self-righteousness in whatever area you feel established in. It's not about you feeling established in how you sense how you're supposed to be. You need to walk in the spirit, Galatians 5, 16, so you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but instead you develop into the high call of God in your life. Now, that being said, we are fighting a spirit of the age that is purely based on rebellion. It's based on witchcraft. And as I defined a moment ago, it is literally anti-authority and it hates fathers. It doesn't like fathers. It doesn't like fathers. Look at the way entertainment is today. Have you ever heard the term mooks? Anybody ever heard that term mooks? You know what a mook is? <laughs> you ever heard that term? There's these things called mooks. Mooks are literally men that act like childish boys. And they're immature, and they act like that. You see these traits, and that's the trend, is to make men just come across stupid and, and uh, weak and all that stuff, and it's a mook trait. Yeah, they, they want men to run around like that and, uh, uh, <laughs> and, and literally cause them to act like boys and children and all this stuff. And then the church, because we have the spirit of the age invading the church, we put those kind of people in the pulpit. We put those kind of people in the pulpit, and the problem with it is, now, now listen, I'm not talking about funny, because I can get really funny in the pulpit, and I can be humorous, I can be off the chain, I can be ridiculously funny and all that, and I enjoy that, and I enjoy that kind of preaching, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are not tempered on the inside, but they get up and they're just goofy to be goofy. And we have a wide variety of that leading the next generation. We have a wide variety of people that don't know who they are leading the next generation. And the, the Lord spoke to me this morning. I said to Heather, I said, I hear the word generals and I, I'm trying to get to it and I see this. Now, we talked about earlier on that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, okay? Now, listen to me. Let me qualify all this stuff. I know we're on the right side of the cross. I know you're born again. You're as holy as you're ever gonna be. Jesus is with you. All is well in the kingdom. You are going to heaven. You are righteous. God loves you. But then we also have to recognize that there's a process to us getting there. As we talked about before, you've got to strive to enter the rest, as Hebrews chapter 4 talks about. And that means renewing your mind to what you already possess in the Spirit. Otherwise, you're not completing the gospel. You're just hearing the correct gospel going, amen, but you're getting no results. Many people are not getting results because they stick to what they what they're told is the right thing to do, but they're not really getting the full counsel of God. Therefore, you're not getting results. And, and I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I want the results you have. Well, maybe you should listen to what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, okay, so when we recognize some of these things, we realize that it says in, I believe, Samuel, it talks about rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And I'm gonna say this again because this is such a strong point. There is a spirit of witchcraft in the world today that's trying to stop real authority politically, in the church, in entertainment. You know, and there's the big trend of the seven mountaintops, which I think is an awesome revelation. But there's a rebellion that wants to stop that, and it's in every area. The rebellion wants to stop it in every area. And it begins, the sin of witchcraft, okay, is equal to rebellion. The sin of witchcraft, witchcraft, is, is equal to rebellion, as we learn in Samuel, but we realize that rebellion is witchcraft. Why? Because rebellion is unauthorized use of power. 
or it's a, rather witchcraft, is an unauthorized use of supernatural power. You want the power of the supernatural to come into the natural without God's blessing, without God's access point. And you begin to draw on that, and that's called witchcraft. People either do it through drugs, where they alter their mind, and they alter things, and they step into a spiritual plane. That's why people have done everything from sweat lodges to whatever else to try to get the, their body so uh, to a tipping point where they can access the supernatural, and they have hallucinations that are induced by what they do in the natural and then they have these things that invade them and it's literally uh, a spirit of witchcraft which is rooted in rebellion you're accessing things you're not supposed to access through the wrong door and when you do that without God without the Holy Spirit that's called witchcraft the same thing the same thing is true for rebellion when you see rebellion today rebellion is the same as spiritual witchcraft as accessing the realm of the spirit is illegally or without authorized use of God's power, you're accessing the realm of the spirit where God lives, where God uh, uh, developed and built, and you're accessing that realm of the spirit with unauthorized access, that's witchcraft. You're trying to get supernatural things to manifest in the natural, that's unauthorized access of supernatural, that's witchcraft. Now in the natural, when you go against authority, and you access things in this world, uh, stealing, uh, lying, doing stuff that, that you say, you know what, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That is just like witchcraft. Because it's rebellion. It's the same sin the devil had, rebellion and pride of I don't need to be told what to do. I'm going to go do what I want and you watch me go. That kind of stuff is equal to witchcraft. When you go against authority that God has placed in your life, even in the spirit or in a, in a, a ministry or, or wherever, and you literally just begin to cut that down and say, I'm doing what I want. That is just like witchcraft. So that's what it means when it says the sin of witchcraft, the sin of rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, okay? It's the same. One is natural, one is spiritual. Witchcraft is spiritual and rebellion is natural. And the two are the same. I hope this makes sense to you. I'm saying it the best I know how to say it. Now, we have a lot of people that are in other religions. They don't, they don't access God or what they consider God or the realm of the spirit through Jesus. That's witchcraft. It's a form of witchcraft. It's also in rebellion. The Tower of Babel was a form of rebellion that also turned into witchcraft. They were trying to access the realm of the spirit. You see them doing, they're building an actual structure in the natural. So they're doing it in rebellion. It says in Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Isaiah 119, willing and obedient. Willingness is the realm of the unseen. We're inside here. You go, yes or no. Obedience is the realm of the natural where you act or don't act. Okay. Right. Refusal is in the realm of the unseen. Rebellion is also in the realm of the scene where you act out on it. And that again is where you see the realm of the unseen, witchcraft, and the realm of the natural where there's rebellion or obedience. Now, <laughs> Oh boy, praise God. If you're willing and obedient, obedient to what? The word of God, God's call on your life, spiritual fathers, fathers, you will eat the good of the land. If you refuse on the inside and in the natural rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. And that sword is Romans 13, the sword of authority, if you really look at it. Now, 
There's a lot I'm saying here, but I want to say this to you very clearly is that we've got to remove rebellion from our heart. We've got to step forward into all God's called us to do. And you say, wait a second, I'm in grace. It's all finished. It's done. Amen. Amen to that. But you can still have the same experience as, a, as somebody that has no, uh, no blessing, no nothing flowing in their life because you're not renewing your mind to what you have and you're not surrendered underneath uh, those who are uh, of authority and actually breaking through for you and walking things out. You know, and that's a very important thing. Now, again, what is a general? A general is a father to you. A general is you being a father to someone else. A general is when Paul said to Timothy, you have 10,000 boy instructors, but you have not many fathers. Notice he didn't say mothers. I know religion won't like this. But I, I, and again, I am so for ladies standing up in their high call and their gifting and all that. But mainly, it's men that need to stand up in the body of Christ. If we looked at the vast majority of leadership in the church, it's women right now. Women are running the world in the church. And that is actually not God's best. <laughs> now, I, and, and listen to me. <laughs> I love women in leadership. I am so for women in leadership. I'm thinking of uh, Denise. I'm thinking of, uh, of my wife. I'm thinking of Kathy. I'm thinking of so many people that have such an authority and a power to lead in the body of Christ. They have an authority and a power to lead in the body of Christ. I think of Joyce Meyer. She's amazing. I bless her. I've seen people attack her, and I want to just go and, you know, knock those people out because <laughs> they're wrong. The woman of God, she has a general anointing on her, but that is the exception, not the rule for how God has made it most often. And now when God exalts a woman to do it, I'm right there with her, man. I'm behind her. I'm saying amen all day long. I'm right there. But now please hear me. God, uh, Paul said it, fathers. He said, we have not many fathers. And God has an order and a rank and authority of how he typically works with things. Now, God really wants you to do. God really wants you to do all that you're called to do. God wants you to be in a place of breakthrough. And it begins by remembering the former breakthroughs you've had, by remembering those who've touched your life, by going forward and fighting a good warfare, by remembering your encounters with God. That's prophetic warfare. But you've also got to recognize that there's a spirit that's trying to blanket the church. Look at the kind of humor we see in social media regarding the church. Just, just look at it. Look at the kind of humor you see that mocks the way people worship. It mocks the way people, listen to me, it, it mocks the way people um, uh, come to the Lord. We mock our church services. We're mocking ourselves. We're doing all this stuff. And, and it's, the, it's kind of the spirit of the age that the comedy is, and, it's, and sometimes it's good-hearted, and I'm not against any comedians that maybe would come up in your mind or anything. I'm actually for them. I think I bless them. So I, I don't, I'm not irritated. I'm not against anybody. But I want to say this to you. I want to say this very clearly. There's a spirit of sarcasm that's come against the body of Christ. And I've said this before. You know, I remember there was a comedy sketch I saw, and it was by a good man. I'm sure he's a good man and all that. But by, by people that worship God and the way they worship the way they hold their hands, and they give definitions for how they hold their hands in worship, and it literally impacts people. So when they're in worship, they're thinking about, do I hold my hand this way or that way? Oh, I'm doing that move right now. That's not right. It's not right because it begins to bring in that religion on top of that relationship with God. So we've got to get out of this sarcasm. Now, I'm all for humor. Please hear me. If I hear humor, you're going to see me laughing. I'm going to be practically on the floor because I enjoy good humor in the body of Christ, even when we're poking at things that we all do and we're there. But listen, listen, that spirit is running rampant. And if we're not 
careful, if we're not cautious about how we're walking this out, we're going to allow the next generation to be all swept up in it, and it'll be so sarcastic that we won't have the breakthrough we're looking for because we need to start honoring generals. And the, the thing that keeps you on that highway, the perfect law of liberty in this, where you don't end up worshiping man and literally bowing at the feet of man and whatever they say, they're like, God speaking to me, where it's some authoritarian, shepherding, you know, wrong type of teaching. The way we don't get there, or we also don't get into, uh, nobody can tell me what to do, leaders, pff, we're all the same, we're all equal, who cares, hey, hey, shut up, you know, and it's just a big free-for-all both ways. Either you're totally under domination and you're, and you're so afraid and all that stuff, or you're over on another side. You're over on the other side where you are, are literally just don't want anybody telling you what to do. Shut up. You can't tell me what to do. That whole process. The way we avoid that is to walk in the Spirit. Is to walk in the Spirit. And when you're walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh either way. You will walk in that perfect law of liberty. And walking in the Spirit means you're renewing your mind to the Word of God. You're staying free from offense. You're loving people as Jesus loves them. You're loving your leaders through the lens of Jesus, realizing that they're not going to do it perfect. And when you do that, now we're getting healthy in the body of Christ. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more resources or to become a Voice of God partner, go to josephz.com. And remember, Jesus is the Voice of God.